A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. As a mom, vegan of 20 years, and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy. And I turn to Athletic Greens to help me out. Athletic Greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers, professional athletes, and health-conscious go-getters worldwide, including USA cycling and endurance athletes. So I knew I would trust them. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients. And it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health, gut health, immune system, energy, and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga. That's athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga and get lit up. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have Nzinga Young with me today, also known as Vegan Zinga on Instagram. She's a nationally recognized figure within the vegan movement. She creates such amazing, joyful, lighthearted content for current and aspiring vegans. I so enjoyed our podcast. She is really one of these shining, bright lights in the world, and I can't wait for you to hear her. Enjoy. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have a new friend on with me today, Nzinga. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. So glad to have you. I feel like when I say your name, it's like an onomatopoeia. It's like Nzinga. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to know like the, um, what is this, what does your name mean? And like, how did your parents come up with this name or whoever did come up with it? I love it. I love it. So Nzinga was the queen of Angola very powerful woman. And I'm just so honored to be named after her. My parents, they aren't directly from Africa, meaning they were born in the U.S., but they spent a lot of time in Africa. So they brought that back for me. I love it. It's a beautiful, beautiful name. I'm sure. Did that? Did you ever have a hard time um, <laughs> growing up with that name? Like just people botching it or did people get it pretty quickly? People got it pretty quickly. I think, yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward writing it. More often than not, if somebody's reading it, they read it correctly. So it's good. That's amazing. So let's begin with, you are well-known in the vegan world, especially as a vegan lifestyle influencer. You're gorgeous. You have these incredible social media posts. You're very creative. But I would love to know, like, what is your background? Like, how did you get, you know, how did you become vegan? How did that become like the path that you chose? Because it's one thing to... Um, be a vegan and, but, you know, have a different job and all that, but you've actually, it has become your, 
your entire brand and lifestyle. So I'd love to start there. Like where was your vegan path and how did you, how did you get there? It's a great segue, starting with parents and then going still further into parents. So my mother raised me vegetarian. Go mom. (laughs) Mom, right? Um, Raised me vegetarian. So I always had that framework. I am not like vegetarian since birth. I had some uh, questionable years in college where I think I, you know, I was leaving home and I finally had the opportunity to make my own decisions with my diet. And my mom, I got her blessing and spent some time eating a bit of fish and a bit of chicken. Didn't like the way it made me feel. So by the time I graduated, I was like, okay, I got to go back to basics. So I always say sidebar to anyone raising vegan children they will always come back. I believe they will always come back just because of the foundation that has been set in their lives. So really shout out to any parents that are raising their their kids vegan or vegetarian because just the foundation is life-changing. So um, like I said, came back to home, uh, with home being vegetarianism. I started a meditation practice called Vipassana, which uh, you go out to some beautiful place somewhere in the world or all over the world. And you spend 10 days in silence with many hours a day of meditation. And while you're there, that you agree to five precepts or, or rules. One of those rules is no killing, which means while I'm in the center, I can't kill anything, but I also can't financially support someone else killing something, which means that all these centers, they really are vegetarian, which is a whole nother conversation, but all Vipassana centers are at least vegetarian. So in me being at the center, me knowing enough about what happened in the what happens in the egg and dairy industries, knowing there's so much death associated with that, I said, if I really want to live my spiritual practice and stick to this no-killing precept, whether I'm at the meditation center or I'm in my own life, then that means I got to go completely vegan. So with that, I also part of it is no intoxicants. So I stopped drinking and there are a few other uh, lifestyle changes that I made, but going vegan was, was definitely tied to my spiritual practice. So you essentially came back from that Vipassana retreat and like flipped the switch, went right into veganism full on. So not quite for one, I, it was the second retreat where I really made the decision. I've been on three so far. So that second one really sat with me. I guess we can say a switch was flipped because I really did stick with it. But like many of us who start veganism with the best intentions, there are hiccups along the way. So sort of, I always say the second part of my going vegan journey is I had an ice cream shop that I love to visit. And I hadn't gone for so long after that second Vipassana retreat. I went by, the woman recognized me. She was so happy to see me. She gave me double what I would normally get. And I was like, gosh, I haven't had ice cream in so long. Let me just have it. It's a celebration. Laura, I was so sick. sick. Oh, I could say. Oh, oh I can my gosh. So <laughs> that was the final straw. It was like no slip ups, no issues. Like, no. And now, honestly, I'm so disgusted by even the thought of, oh my God, like how people will still have cheese cravings. I completely understand them because that was a challenge a lot um, throughout my journey. I talk about on my page, the, the issues, even before I went on my Vipassana retreat, I wanted to go vegan, but cheese used to always mess me up. I would start drinking and have cheese. So I get the dairy cravings. 
I don't experience them anymore because of that terrible experience I had with ice cream. So for better or for worse, I'm grateful for for that challenging experience. Yeah, I agree. I mean, dairy is such a conundrum because it's something that is, uh, you know, it has opiate-like compound in it. That's why we get addicted to it. That's why we feel calm and like good because that, those were the that was the hormonal compound that was made to bond a baby cow and it's and and his or her mom and and so we get addicted to it but we really it's not good for us like our body really we're not cows <laughs> so it's like it's so funny when you actually step outside of this box that we've been um we've grown up in in terms of like our society and culture telling us this is the healthiest natural food and you're like when you actually pause and think about it it doesn't make any sense. And, and, and your body was smart. Like it's, I, I know when you said you had that ice cream after not having it for a while, I know because I get that way. If there's anything, I've been vegan 20 years. And if I have something, when somebody's told me that it's, there's no dairy in it, I can taste it right away. Ooh, I can taste it. It tastes like curdled something. It just has a nasty taste to me now. And like you, I was a total cheese. I loved cheese. I was you know, so I, I think that it's, we know what we know and we all have habits. I talk about this in the yoga mat. We have habits of how we move, how we stand, how we behave, how we respond. And habits are also how we eat. And I love what you said about honoring the moms and dads out there who are raising vegan kids. Cause my kids are both vegan since utero. My daughter will be 19 in four days. Oh my God. I know. And my son is 16. Um, he's six, four. And, you know, like I always say, he doesn't look like he's deprived. And you're right. Like we, once they were old enough, like in their teen years to kind of really have some more ownership. I always said, this is how we raised you. And just like religion, you can question it. You can experiment. Like there is, because I knew in the depths of my soul that the, the, if you're vegan for the reasons like we are ethical and all the other things that benefit that they'll come back and neither one of them have strayed. I mean, my son is like a purist. He'll, he'll probably never stray, but um, my daughter has had cheese and some things with milk in it before. And then she said, you know, I just, just, I just wanted to try it because my friends all were eating pizzas over and over and over again. And it was during those formative teenage years. And she's like, I tried it, but it's just, you know, I didn't want, like you. It's like, I don't want that, you know? And so I think um, everyone who is considering raising children in this manner, uh, it is such a gift, as you said. It really is because it's giving such a foundation to your soul for how we want to walk through life. And it's fine to kind of experiment, but when when those foundations are really strong, you'll come back to it. All right. So you became vegan after your Vipassana thing. And it was obviously, you said like, you know, it took a few steps. It wasn't like open the refrigerator and, and pull everything out, which I think is super valuable for people to see like, you know, you also had not necessarily a struggle, but it wasn't just a linear path there. How did you then take it from becoming vegan? Like, what was the feeling? Like when you really made that decision and you actually did go like, this is what I'm doing. Um, what was, did you have any kind of, internal epiphanies or like spiritual awakening. I always like to think of it. Not necessarily an awakening, but I think everyone who wants to go vegan before they go vegan 
has this internal feeling of guilt isn't the right word, but that's that's the only word that's coming to mind. You know that you're not living in alignment with the person that you want to be. And this this may sound like it's focused mostly on ethical vegans and it, it's in many ways is, but it can just be somebody who they've been trying to stick to a diet forever and they can't. And there's just this disjointedness. You could be an environmentalist and know that by adjusting my diet, I will be maybe not necessarily making a monumental change in the grand scheme of the world, but you'll be living in alignment with your beliefs. And so I think once I finally went vegan, I got that feeling of I'm living in alignment with my beliefs. The weight that I, I still don't have a name for, honestly, but hopefully this may resonate with someone else. You just have this feeling of like, I'm not, I'm not doing my best. And I'm not being my best. So that was what was really beautiful with me finally committing to a vegan diet. I'm getting chills now just being reminded that I can still say that to this day, that I am, th there are many things in my life that <laughs> I'm not yet living in full alignment with, but something as intimate and something as consistent as your diet, something you, a choice you make every day the fact that I still make this choice and live this life every single day and then add a layer of I've taken the responsibility of saying, OK, I'm going to live this way. But I also have a five person minimum per year that I'm going to get five people to reach out to me and say, I went vegan and you helped. The fact that I then, you know, have that that I'm I'm sowing those seeds. I always say like vegans, we can only do so much once we've made the change. Like that's, there's a cap on our individual impact, but I always challenge vegans. Actually, I don't challenge vegans enough. Maybe this is my chance. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I let, there's a couple things that I want to um, kind of unpack there. And one is talking about how it's so personal. And I think one of the criticisms that vegans get, and I, I'd like to hear if you've experienced this, is that there's a judgment that we're like judging everybody who isn't vegan. And as opposed to like, if I all of a sudden decided to become a Buddhist, I don't think anybody would be bothered by that. That's like, I am deciding to do something. It's in line with my values. It feels so good. But you add the layer of food in there and culture and society expectations. And then that, you know, all the things that happen around food and people just start to perk up. Like if I said I was gluten-free, I don't think anybody would think, oh, you're judging me because I'm eating gluten. It's like, what do you think, have you experienced that? And what do you have, what do you find is the best response to that, that sense? I, I, in my opinion, I think it's coming because people are, like you said, we all have, I call it the veil of hypocrisy. We all have worn it and we might be wearing it about animals. It might be about other people. It might be like when we're not totally in sync with our core values, there is a veil there that we might not even be aware of. That it, and then all of a sudden when it's gone, you're just like, oh, now I'm in myself. I'm home. I'm where I was meant to be. Anyway, I'd love to hear from you about that, like how you handle that and if you've experienced that. So I think it's twofold. One, I do completely agree. I think it's people knowing internally that the decisions they're making are unjust in a certain way to a, a different species or many different species. They know that, 
but society has told them that it's the way to be. So there's an internal conflict there. I absolutely think that that what you were saying is true. I think on the second, on the other hand, our community does have a history of a level of judgment. I completely understand it because we are in many ways, we're speaking on behalf of a community that has been so incredibly overlooked. Like, like people aren't thinking about animals. And if they are thinking about animals, they're thinking about companion animals, not animals raised for food. So our community, the animal rights community, does have to bring in a level of communication that often comes across as judgmental because people need to hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. They have to hear what they have to say. I think there's a, a variety of means that people go about in terms of expressing the importance of veganism. And I think some of our passion about letting people know how important it is gets translated and understood as judgment. And then communities outside of ours automatically think that vegans are judging mm -hmm. and they don't look at it as a bigger picture thing. I personally have to be very mindful of that. I, one, I have an issue with wanting to feel liked because I feel like the more I'm liked, the more people will listen to me. And the more people listen to me, the more likely they are to be open to a plant-based diet. So my approach is often different, but I completely understand why somebody might be seen as more judge might come across as more judgmental because the message is so important and it's so time sensitive and there are so many things happening every day that are affecting a, a really unspoken for population so i think it's the combination of those two i don't want to give our community a complete out i think that there are um like I said, the communication is warranted, but I do think we bring some things on ourselves in terms of how we're seen. And sometimes we just have to own it. And I always, I respect so much the vegans who own it and that this is how they come across. This is their means of communicating something very important. I think all means of spreading these important messages are necessary. And we all come together with our own different strategies and temperaments and, and create a lot of change. I agree. I mean, I'm more along the lines of you. I, I thought I am basically a walking example or a walking voice box for animals. So how am I going to best serve them? And yeah, I probably could get more people on board if I was like, I don't want to say outspoken. I feel like I'm spoken, you know, I know I'm not, but maybe more aggressive, but that I also think that's a, you know, danger for me because that's not who I am. Like I'm much more about, I want to welcome people into the circle and not have them feel isolated. And, and I want them to feel that we're all coming at it from different standpoints, different timelines. It's not a linear path. However, sometimes when we look at the statistics, so there's like facts and then there's like opinions. And then we look at the facts. When we look at millions of animals are slaughtered in an hour, like since we've been talking, it's devastating. Like, it's like you want to scream from the, the rooftops. Like no one is protecting them. And not only are they dying, they are tortured before they're dying. You know, they're, um, so it is such a 
crazy balance to, to try and gently bring people into the community and not turn them off by the like, there's a fucking fire happening. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, please, this is not, you know, it's like, we got to put the manners aside and like get to the heart of it. Um, And I think, honestly, we're going to have to do some more of that because the repercussions are beyond just, I mean, animal cruelty is a, you know, hard stop for me. I don't need to go beyond that, except it is now we can, we, we can layer arguments. I mean, we are at a time where, I mean, climate change is just undeniable and it is in part very much contributed to by, um, animal agriculture. So we, we do have to have a little bit more of like, our home is burning. Like we got to do something. So this is not this time to say, well, I really love those pork chops and my mom and my grandmother always made them. It's like, I don't care. Like, guess what? (laughs) Everybody has to go on the ship and in it together. And actually it can be joyful and it will be joyful. And that's what I want to talk about next with you is because I feel like you have really transmitted your joyful vegan lifestyle in a playful way, in a non-confrontational way, but in a way that like, is like, like, I love what you, I saw a thing that you like, why do men think it's attractive to be holding a big fish, dead fish? Like what? And I just thought that was wonderful. How did you come about with, I mean, I'm sure that's your personality, but how did you come about feeling comfortable with that? Do you have like a kind of like a guidepost of what you want to post and what you want to communicate, or do you just kind of go from your heart? It's interesting. What I want to do on Instagram actually isn't what I'm doing, which is too funny. I think I always say I speak vegan fluently. I think from, because I've come into veganism from a more spiritual perspective, I understand all reasons for going vegan really well. And I can think, the way that we all think as a community. We're a pretty diverse community. And I think that's a fun kind of random skill to have. And I've translated that to making these um, reels on Instagram where my goal is that they can just be relatable. If they're funny, then that's a bonus. But like, I just want somebody to feel like, oh, I experienced this as well. I think my page does too much to speak directly to vegans. So in this next sort of chapter of me um, being on social media and starting to blog a little bit, I I do want to be more intentional about making sure my content is more educational and more doing more outreach to people who aren't vegan. I'm amazed by how many non-vegans follow me and I'm honored, honestly. It's just, I think it's really incredible, but I don't, I think I'm doing a disservice to the non-vegan community or the transitioning community. I want them to know that my paid, that they're welcome, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I'm speaking to them as much. So I'm actually really glad you asked that question because now that I said it here, I got to do it. (laughs) There you go. And there's plenty of people that listen to this that are probably not yet vegan. um, And yeah, go and follow you. So what, what are some what are some goals in that? Like, how do you want to reach more than non-vegans through what? And, and how did you know, do you have like a background in marketing or graphics or no? No, no. I just, I've been on Instagram maybe like six years or so. I had a smaller following at the start of the year, but these reels and, and me, consistency on I mean, you know, you show up very consistently, 
on your page. So I had never done that. So now I was like, you know, let me just be consistent and see what happens. So I'm literally just one step at a time and I'm just grateful for how it's grown. But um, in terms of goals, yeah, I just more of a balance, more of like a 50-50 between things that I know are relatable to a vegan audience and things that I know are um, helpful for a non-vegan audience. So I still have my five people a year. I think I'm at three so far who have actively come to me and said, I went vegan and the things that you did were helpful. So that's exciting. That is super exciting. Yeah. So on that note, let me ask you if you, if there are people out there that are listening, um, what are, what are some tips? I'm not going to give you a number like three or five, just whatever you think, like, what are the, the most helpful tips when someone is considering that move toward veganism? So I think if you're really serious, the first step is deciding to keep your home either vegan or vegetarian. I honestly, for somebody transitioning, I don't make a huge distinction between veganism and vegetarianism, honestly. I think to cut meat out of your diet from someone who is eating meat is a huge step. And if you want to start by going vegetarian, I almost think that you may in some cases have a greater success rate than by going all vegan and then it being challenging and then you go back to, you just throw in the towel completely. So if anyone has meat in their home and they want to eat less meat or cut meat out, I challenge them to create a meat-free home. I think we have much more control over our homes. I think by keeping a vegan or vegetarian fridge, it means you're going to get more creative about things that you make and you know, it'll set a precedent, a precedent. So when you're out in the world, having some level of flexibility, but once you've mastered home, then the next step is, okay, when my work lunch, like I'm not going to even buy meat when I'm getting a work lunch or, you know, when I'm eating out with friends, I'm going to make sure that I'm not eating X, Y, Z. And it can be a gradual thing. I'm all about the gradual approach. I am amazed and impressed by people who do the overnight uh, vegan thing. It, it blows my, like I, like I bow to that. <laughs> That's incredible. But that wasn't my experience. And I don't know if it's as many people's experience. Um, so I, I always want to be supportive of just sort of like the gradual steps. I think gradual steps, you know, cause you're looking at the long, long run. And so if the gradual steps, like you said, I think are a great way to have the longevity of it. There are people, I mean, I, I was vegetarian already. Like I wasn't raised vegetarian. Uh, when I was 16, my brothers and I, and my mom all became vegetarian. And then my husband and I got married. He, he became vegetarian after a while being with me, not by my requirement. He just wanted to know why I was vegetarian. And I was like, read this book and that'll be better. Cause I can tell you all the emotional reasons. Then we became vegan. Um, and I do think doing it together was absolutely the reason we could go from vegetarian to vegan, just like boom overnight. Um, after we got the information about, you know, battery hens and dairy cows, which, you know, I still, to this day, I'm like, how did I go to 32 years old and not realize like cows don't just serve milk up? <laughs> no, I'm like, what? I'm like, not that dumb. Um, <laughs> But, and I, so I would also add to that, have like an, have a buddy, like see, you know, it could even be like, there are these great 30 day challenges for being vegan and it can give you, um, an opportunity to try it out and see how it feels 
and doing it with someone else. Like, oh, this was really good. That didn't really work for me. That didn't make my stomach feel good. And I think it is important to ease into all these things. So I like your approach because sometimes when people go full throttle, their bodies are not used to that. Obviously, if you're eating a whole foods plant-based diet, you are going to be having a lot more fiber, most likely, than you're used to. You need to chew your food. People like stuff, you know, like people can swallow a burger down in like five bites. Uh, They really can't. You can't do that with kale. You cannot. You have to chew it. (laughs) So I would love to know, like, what is a typical day like for you? And and can you include in there a little bit, because vegan lifestyle, I'm sure, is encompassing more than food. What are some other things that you really pay attention to and are particular about when you're purchasing that are vegan? Yeah, totally. I'll start with the first question. So a typical day for me, I do create content full time. So it's getting up at 5.30 or so. I do my meditation practice. I do my oil pulling and I do some amount of content creation. I'm also in in real estate. So I invest in uh, rental properties. So checking in on those, seeing if there's any work that needs to happen there. I use, oh my gosh, I used to cook so much. I'm in this like lull right now, but normally it's cooking for the week and, you know, getting outside and trying to enjoy this summer. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's, it's been really great since I've made this transition. So what do you, what do you do when you're not feeling like, like, what do you do for breakfast if you're not feeling like making anything? Like what would be a kind of a breakfast thing or Oatmeal is always a go-to. I know they say, <laughs> I know they say with chia pudding, you're supposed to put in the fridge overnight. I posted something recently about this, about soaking cashews. And I don't have time always to soak cashews overnight. It's I just- never do, ever. <laughs> I never, ever have soaked cashews in my life. <laughs> with chia pudding, I swear, if you put the milk with the chia seeds, put it in the fridge for about an hour, it's decent after an hour. So sometimes I'll do that. Um, I'll put in the fridge, you know, maybe if I go to the gym that day, I'll put in the fridge before I go. And by the time I come back, I'm good. So yeah, that's typical. And then in terms of other things that I look for, chocolate has been the most recent challenge. And by challenge, I just mean that I just avoid it completely because I'm not, I'm learning more about how the best ways to buy chocolate ethically. Um, the food empowerment project, I believe, excuse me if I'm messing that up, but it's a nonprofit that will give you a list of um, ethically produced chocolate manufacturers. So I, I am trying to look there more. Can you, but, so can um, you just talk a little bit about like, why is chocolate an issue? Cause I'm sure there's lots of people who don't even realize that. Yes. And again, I'm still learning myself, but my understanding is there's a lot of essentially slave labor and, and I believe child labor that goes into harvesting the cacao beans or the other ingredients necessary for creating chocolate. So, and it's not common knowledge. You wouldn't know. Not at all. Yeah. A lot of the biggest uh, chocolate producers are getting their chocolate through very unethical means. And, you know, again, I came to veganism from a spiritual standpoint, from a do no harm standpoint that no one should have to be inconvenienced or harmed horribly because of the decisions that I made. So that absolutely spans into human rights issues, especially with me as a person of color. Like a lot of the times there are other low income 
communities of color across the world that are being taken advantage of by these large corporations. So for me to participate in that, even if it doesn't cause animal harm, it's causing harm to my extended community. And I don't want it. I don't want it. So coffee was easy. Coffee is another issue um, that follows the, the similar lines. I don't drink coffee. So it's like a easy out. But there's so, so many things that I'm just now becoming more aware of just in terms of, you know, ethical shopping with clothing. And there's a lot of horrible practices in India and Bangladesh where, you know, women are working for nothing for incredibly long hours a day, creating these, you know, fashion, fast fashion clothes and things. So again, so this is like my next veganism, right? This is my thing of like, cause honestly I'm lying here acting like I, I wasn't aware. I've been aware of these things for far too long and have not taken the time to do the research to really understand and really make the decisions that are gonna stick. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be expressing this on a, a space that will live longer because this is a public declaration of you know, me doing the work that I had to do when I was going vegan and for non-vegan, the work that non-vegans will need to do to do the work to stay in line with their Oh my gosh. I just got the chills. And that's the whole thing. We're always a work in progress, but I love how you said, I knew, but I hadn't like, you didn't take the dive down, you know, because you knew like once you die, once you went in the water, you couldn't unknow it. You can't un, you can't participate anymore. And, and that's the whole thing is that we're always going to have different levels of willingness. And the, the more we are willing to uncover the things that might inconvenience us, might make us feel pain, you know, but that's part of life is that if we do want to participate in this big global community and, and what you're really speaking to is a lot of that intersectionality that I think should be present for all vegans. Like if you're going to all species, you should think of all races, all religions, all sexual preferences, every, like it all is, is part of it. And so we have to uncover the ethical living for all of it. So I, I love that you brought that up. So tell me, as we start to conclude here, I feel like we could talk a lot more about all this stuff. And you're just such a beautiful soul. But um, tell me what your aspirations are for the next, say, number of years. I won't give you a number of years, but, you know, like, <laughs> where are you headed? Like, is social media going to be, obviously, you're an educator. Do you see yourself going out and educating in a different forum as well? Yes. Yes, I do. So right now, social media, first of all, thank you so much to anyone listening to this who follows me and is supportive. I have the most incredible community. I know you can say the same. I've seen how your community just loves you, but I have just created this like incredible, I guess I didn't really create, I have been this, the centerpiece of this incredible community of people around me, most of whom I've never met, many of whom I may never meet. But I'm so happy with how we have found each other in this digital space. And um, so as far as social media, it's continuing with that because I really like the, uh, the one of the parts of my spiritual practice is right livelihood. So any work that you do has to still be in line with the five precepts. So any means of making money has to be ethical. So even, you know, we have many vegans who may work in spaces that aren't necessarily vegan, absolutely no judgment on them for that. Like, we, we, you know, we're in a capitalist society and things come with that. But for, for my practice, I wouldn't 
be able to participate or I would choose not to participate in that. So to be able to generate income through social media and to know that I'm supported by so many vegans is just incredible. Then ultimate goals is I'm really just fascinated by different means of passive income. So any of the funds that I get through any social media things, those get funneled into real estate. And then I provide uh, affordable housing for low-income families. It's mostly single mo- mothers of color. Not all of them are low-income, though. I, I know one of my tenants <laughs> is listening to me like, what? But, um, <laughs> many of them are, you know, in, with um, in a Section 8 program. And I'm so grateful that the government pays me their money and I don't have to take their money out of pocket. And there's just a really wonderful feeling about providing all of these Single mothers, uh, housing, beautiful housing, and you know me doing my best. I really do take pride in being a thoughtful landlord and really on top of things as much as I can. And I want to do that for as many people as possible because I love I love beautiful spaces, and I think everyone deserves a beautiful space, no matter their income. So real estate and veganism are equally exciting to me. I don't speak about real estate very much on on the platform because I'm very focused in what I'm providing, but I like for my community to know that they indirectly also support these other communities to have safe, beautiful housing from a very thoughtful uh, landlord. Oh, I love that. Well, Nzinga, you are really living in alignment and it is radiating outward. I can tell you like uh, the first time I saw you through the screen, I was like, who is this woman? I want to get to know her. And I'm just so honored to have you on here today. So where can people um, find you either in social media or a website? We'll have this on the show notes as well, but anybody that's listening, I'd love for them to go and follow you. And before I say that, let me just say it was mutual because one of my major issues, I have posture issues, I know. So I have been on your websites and on your social media and just it's just been so helpful so thank you so much for your presence in my thank life. you thank and, you uh, people can find me on vegan zinga v-e-g-a-n-z-i-n-g-a on instagram and from there you can have access to um, my website and other information well thank you so much it was such a pleasure and again i'll see you more i know whether it's here or on social media. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you all. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.